When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Calcio podcast. A podcast devoted to Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. This will be a shorter episode than usual. I'm not going to review the Coppa Italia match against Atalanta midweek. We covered that in great detail with Gianluca on our last episode of Forza Napoli Worldwide, so be sure to check that one out. We'll only have two parts for you in this episode. In part one, we'll provide an update on the latest news around Napoli, and we'll recap our most recent Primavera match, and in part two, we'll preview our match on Saturday against Genoa. So let's get right into the news. On Friday, we got the news that Fauzi Gulam had tested positive for covid That was unfortunate, but realistically, Gulam hardly plays, so it wasn't that much of a loss, at least not on the field. The bigger concern was whether he may have spread the virus to anyone else on the team. And sure enough, later in the day, we got the devastating news that Kalidou Koulibaly had also tested positive. With all due respect to Gulam, this news was way worse for us. Koulibaly is such an important player to our defense. When he was out with his muscle injury, we tied Torino, we beat Cagliari, then we lost to Spezia, and we needed a last-minute goal to beat Udinese. However, if you look at all of those goals, the second Spezia goal is probably the only one that Koulibaly might have prevented. Really, it was the rest of the team that played poorly. With Koulibaly out, Nikola Maksimovic will need to step up his game. He'll be happy for the opportunity as he's struggled a lot this season and his contract expires at the end of this season, so this is a huge opportunity for him to get his value back up, either for a renewal or to draw more interest from other clubs. Another player whose contract expires at the end of the season is El Cid Kisai. He was asked about his contract situation in an interview he did with Rai Sport, to which he responded, I will respect the contract until the end of the season, and then I will think about my future. I hope to finish this championship in the best way possible. I am focused on Napoli. I've been here for several years, and I can't think about what's next. In any event, we'll have to cope without our best center back for a while. I just hope he's not out for as long as Victor Osiman and Fabian Ruiz were out. Speaking of Fabian, on Thursday, the club announced that he finally tested negative for COVID, so he will now resume training. Don't expect to see him right away, though. Fabian has been away from the team for exactly three weeks, so just like with Elmas, Zielinski, Hisai, and Osimen, it will take him some time to get back to full fitness. In other news, Arkadouj Milik scored his first goal for Marseille on Wednesday. In his full debut, no less, he was supposed to make his debut against Stad Rennes on the weekend, but that match was postponed after Marseille Ultras ransacked the club's training grounds. Milik seems to have joined the club in complete disarray. 
Three days after the training ground was vandalized, Andre Villas-Boas suddenly resigned after the club signed a player that he specifically said he did not want. So we'll see if this impacts Milik's playing time because Milik was a player that Villas-Boas really wanted. As far as Milik's success goes, I know a lot of Napoli fans despise him after everything that happened, but it's still in our best interest that he does well. We have bonuses tied to him and we get a sell-on fee, so if his value goes up and Marseille sell him for a higher price, then a portion of that higher price will come to us. Finally, Calcio Napoli 24 are reporting that City Council has approved a 1.24 million euro project to do renovations on the third lot of the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona, which includes maintenance to the stadium roof. Councillor of Sport Ciro Borello said it was a necessary measure with a view to constant improvement of the stadium just dedicated to Maradona. We also take advantage of the sad absence of fans from the stadium so that when access is finally possible, they can find themselves in a modern stadium that is perfectly suited to the current needs of spectators and professionals. We'll close part one with a recap of our Primavera match against Crotone last weekend, which was January 30th. Heading into this match, we were sitting in 7th place on 4 points in 3 matches, with 5 teams behind us on 3 points. Crotone were in 2nd place with 11 points in 5 matches. Emmanuel Cascione lined up in a 3-4-2-1 with Huberi Dasiak in goal. Davide Costanzo played at centre-back with Nello Donofrio to his left and Oscar Guarino to his right. Raffaele Virgilio and Brando Sami played in the centre of the midfield. Flavio Romano and Benedetto Bardo played as the wing-backs, and Gennaro Iaccherino and Giuseppe D'Agostino played as the two trequartisti behind Giuseppe Ambrosino in the punto. Napoli walked away with a comfortable 4-0 victory in this match. All four goals were scored in the opening half-hour of the match, and all four goals involved that front trident of D'Agostino, Iaccherino, and Ambrosino. D'Agostino opened the scoring in the second minute of the match. Barbo played a long ball for Ambrosino in the middle of the pitch. He played a perfect header into the area for D'Agostino to run onto. The energetic number 10 took one touch on his chest before slotting his shot past Crotone keeper Francesco D'Alterio, who made a really poor effort to make the save. Napoli nearly doubled their lead shortly after that. Once again, D'Agostino was involved in the play. This time he played a give-and-go with Iaccherino, but D'Agostino was unable to hit the target. D'Agostino came close again in the 21st minute, this time he played a give-and-go with Ambrosino before firing off the upright. Fortunately, Iaccherino was there to follow up on the rebound, which he smashed into the back of the goal. Then in the 28th minute, Ambrosino made a great turn in the area to get past Crotone's centre-back Cosimo Spezzano. His shot went wide of the goal, but Ambrosino was fouled by Dalterio in the process. Napoli were awarded a penalty, which Ambrosino himself converted to give Napoli a 3-0 lead. Finally, moments after the restart, Crotone's other centre-back, Andrea Amarize, played a weak pass straight to D'Agostino. He played Ambrosino on the wing, who returned the ball to D'Agostino all alone in front of the goal, and he beat the challenging Dalterio for his second of the match. Napoli should have had a fifth still in the first half after Ambrosino hit Barba's cross first time into the bottom corner. However, the referee called a foul on Iaccherino instead of playing the advantage, so that goal was not allowed. And then D'Agostino had another clear break before the end of the first half on a lovely through ball from Ambrosino, but D'Agostino tried to chip over the keeper and D'Alterio got a hand on the shot to keep it out. The second half was really just a formality. Both sides had their chances. Crotone's best chance came off a header by Mattia Timoneri, but it hit the bar and stayed out. 
Ambrosino had a decent effort from about 25 yards out, but Dalterio did well to make the save. Things only went from bad to worse for Crotone. Marco Bilotta appeared to be fouled in the box, but the penalty wasn't given. Crotone coach Giuseppe Galluzzo had some choice words for the match official, and he was shown a red card. So Napoli got a convincing 4-0 win. With Cosenza tying Lecce, we pulled within one point of Cosenza, who are in 6th place. Our next match is a big one against Virtus Antella on Saturday. They are 3 points ahead of us in 5th place, so we have a chance to move further up the table with a win. And again, we've played fewer games than any other club because of COVID, so if we win those games in hand, we can put ourselves right into the fight for promotion. Two wins would put us in second place with 13 points. Lecce, who are in first place, have 16 points, but they're the only team in the Primavera to have played seven games. That'll do for part one. In part two, we'll preview our match on Saturday against Genoa. This will be a rare Saturday match for us this season, with the second leg of the Coppa Italia semi-final being played against Atalanta on Wednesday. This will be the 98th meeting between these two clubs in Serie A, and the 49th to be played at the Marassi. In the previous 48, Genoa have won 18, 17 have resulted in draws, and Napoli have won only 13. However, we are unbeaten in our last 17 matches against Genoa, and our last away loss to Genoa was in 2012. Genoa are currently sitting in 14th place in the table. A month ago, they were second from the bottom of the table, but under new coach Davide Ballardini, who rejoined Genoa for the third time, so this is his fourth stint in charge, they had an excellent month of January. Genoa lost only one game in January, which was a 2-1 loss to Sassuolo. They managed draws against Lazio and Atalanta, which are excellent results for a team in the bottom half of the table. They also beat some weaker teams in Bologna, Cagliari, and Crotone, which again, for a team at the bottom of the table, those are very important results. Of course, the last time we played Genoa, we got a big 6-0 win at what was then called the San Paolo. There was plenty of drama before and after that match. Genoa basically played their B team because they had so many players missing due to COVID, so we probably shouldn't expect the same result. Nevertheless, I'm sure Genoa will be looking for retribution. This time around, it will be Napoli with the short bench. Dries Mertens is still doing therapy in Belgium. Fabian Ruiz has rejoined the squad, but he won't be fit to play in this match having just tested negative for COVID. Diego Deme and Lorenzo Insigne both could be out after picking up knocks against Atalanta midweek, and as we discussed in part 1, on Friday the club announced that both Kaladu Koulibaly and Fauzi Gulam had tested positive for COVID. Genoa have a couple of ex-Napoli players in their squad in Goran Pandev and Valombarami. Pandev actually has a chance to break a curious Serie A record, which is most appearances off the bench. He is currently tied with Sergio Pellissier at 154 appearances off the bench. I suspect both of those players, though, will start on the bench in this match. So with that, let's get to our starting lineups. Since Ballardini returned to manage Genoa, they've been playing in the 3-5-2 formation with Mattia Perin in goal. 
Andrea Maziello usually plays in the center of the three-man back line with Domenico Criscito on the left and Ivan Radovanovic on the right. Lennart Sisbora usually plays left wing back with Davide Zabacosta playing on the right wing back. Miha Zaj plays in the center of the midfield with Milan Badel to his left and new signing Kevin Strootman to his right. Matteo Destro will definitely start in the front too, but his strike partner is a bit of a question mark. Eldor Shomuradov has been the preferred option lately, but he was a limited participant in practice this week, so he may not start. Other options include Goran Pandev, Marco Piazza, and maybe Gianluca Scamacca, though Destro and Scamacca almost never start together. I will go with Piazza to get the start. For Napoli, I'm very curious to see what formation we line up in. After the game against Atalanta, we now have three formations to choose from. We spent most of the season in the 4-2-3-1, then we switched back to the 4-3-3 for a couple of games before trying out the 3-4-3 against Atalanta. On our most recent episode of Forza Napoli Worldwide, Gianluca and I talked about some of the reasons why we may have used the 3-4-3. One of them was that Gattuso needed to rest Zielinski and Elmas, and because of the limited options in attack, the 3-4-3 accommodated the players that were fit to play. Another reason was that playing for a draw in a cup game is not terrible. Obviously a win is better, but a draw didn't make it less likely that we would win the cup, like a draw would make it less likely for us to win the Scudetto or to finish in the top 4 in Serie A. In part 1, I mentioned that Koulibaly had tested positive for COVID, so for those reasons, I'm expecting Napoli to go back to the 4-3-3 for this game. With Koulibaly out, Manolas is pretty much a given to start. I think it would be far too risky to start Maximovic and Rachmani together, even against Genoa. The question then becomes whether we start Maximovic or Rachmani, and you can make a case for both. Maximovic just played against Atalanta and he struggled this season. Also, we will need him for the bigger game, so perhaps we rest him here. On the other hand, Gattuso is still playing for his job, so we need to play every game like it's our last, and for that reason, I'll go with Manolas and Maximovic to start here. Mario Rui got the day off against Atalanta, so I think he'll start at left back and Giovanni Di Lorenzo will likely start again at right back. I thought about putting Gulam possibly in the starting 11, but now he too has tested positive for COVID. Now I'm really struggling with the midfield. More than likely, Diego Deme will not play on Saturday because of that knock he took to the head. We haven't seen Bakayoko play in the 4-3-3. That doesn't mean it won't happen though. I could see Gattuso going back to the 4-2-3-1 as well though, which would be a better fit for Bakayoko. Alternatively, Stanislav Lobotka could play in the 4-3-3 because he's probably the closest like-for-like replacement for Diego Deme, but he really hasn't played all that much this season, so I'm going to play it safe and say that Bakayoko starts as the Regista and Piotr Zielinski and Eli Felmes play on either side of him. Up front, I think we'll see Chucky Lozano shift over to the left side to cover for Lorenzo Insigne, who left the Atalanta game limping. Insigne was only a limited participant in practice on Friday, so I don't think he will start on Saturday. With Lozano on the left side, Matteo Politano will start on the right side, and I think we'll see Andrea Patania start at striker. The good news is we should have Victor Osman back very soon. Gattuso said after the Atalanta match that he's liked how Osman has looked in the last few days, so I'm expecting him to make an appearance off the bench again, especially if we need to score, and who knows, maybe he'll be fit to play against Atalanta in the second leg. So those are our starting lineups, next let's get to our three keys to the match. The first key to the match is we can't give up easy chances. A lot of Genoa's success in January has to do with a player who's had a bit of a resurgence this season and has some people even suggesting that he should be considered for Mancini's Euro squad. Of course, I'm talking about Matteo Destro. 
He has 9 goals this season and 8 of them have come in his last 9 matches, so he is absolutely on fire right now. Now, a lot of those goals have been tap-ins into empty goals, but you still have to give him credit for being in the right place at the right time and for taking his chances when they present themselves. Kevin Lasagna has had plenty of chances this season and he scored very few, so even if Destro's goals have been easy ones, there's still something to be said about the fact that he's finishing them. The key takeaway from all of that is we need to avoid giving up easy chances because Destro has enough quality to finish them. We are prone to making silly mistakes. In fact, most of the goals we concede happen as a result of poor passes or because a player got caught upfield and didn't have the proper cover. The second key to the match is we need to test Mattia Perin early and often. I've used this one for a handful of our matches because I honestly think Serie A has the best goalkeepers of any European league. Perin has the ability to steal points on his own, he made some huge saves in Genoa's game against Cagliari, and he made some big saves in their draw to Lazio as well. We had 9 shot attempts against Atalanta, but only 2 hit the target. We had 10 attempts, 6 on target against Parma, but besides the 2 goals, we didn't really test Luigi Seppe. So we need to take more shots and we need to hit the target more often, or we could be looking at another match like the Parma one, where perhaps we walk away with a very uncomfortable win, or perhaps it's even worse than that. The final key to the match is we need to control the run of play. I think we've been far too passive lately against Atalanta and the Coppa Italia that was clearly intentional but against a team like Parma we should have been in complete control. Instead we backed off, we finished that match in a 5-4-1 as well and in both of those matches had it not been for poor finishing from our opponent we may have been looking at losses. We also looked very passive in the Supercoppa against Juventus. Now I get we've had a bit of a revolving door of players coming into and out of the squad, but we've been fortunate that it hasn't been all at once. We have enough depth that we should be able to withstand the loss of one or two players. Of course, losing Osimhen and Mertens at the same time has been difficult. Patania is doing his best, but he's not a number one striker, at least not for where we want to be. But this passive play is not an issue with personnel, it's an issue with the general approach, so hopefully Gattuso can turn things around here. For someone who was very aggressive as a player, he's become extremely cautious, risk averse, and conservative as a coach. The head official for this match is Maurizio Mariani. Mariani has refereed 5 Napoli matches since 2018 including our 4-1 victory over Cagliari earlier this year. We're undefeated in those 5 games with 4 wins and 1 draw. Mariani's assistants are Alessandro Costanzo and Emmanuel Leprena. The fourth official is Marco Piccinini and Marco Di Bello is on the VAR assisted by Stefano Liberti. For my prediction, I'm going to go with a 2-0 win on goals from Lozano and Petania. I'm cautiously optimistic about this match, even though Genoa will have a very different looking squad, and in fact we will have a very different looking squad from our first meeting, I think we still have enough quality to walk away with a win here. We can't really afford to drop any more points, and we certainly can't afford to drop more points to a team in the bottom half of the table, regardless of the form they're in. So hopefully we show up because when we do we look unstoppable. Now I shouldn't make it sound one-sided, Genoa have some really good players that can cause problems. I already mentioned Matteo Destro and Mattia Perin, but players like Miha Zach, Lennart Sisbora and new signing Kevin Struman are all very good, so as always, this will not be a walk in the park. So that will do for this preview, I hope you enjoy the game. That will also do it for this episode, if you like what you heard, please share it with your friends and give us a 5 star rating on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, or you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Fort Pod. 
We also just posted our latest episode of the Forza Napoli Worldwide series on Friday, so be sure to check that one out. We'll be back next week to review the Genoa match and to preview our next match, which is the second leg of the Coppa Italia semi-final against Atalanta. But until then, I'm Joe Fuschetti. Forza Napoli sempre! Network.